You're listening to the Build Shapes Podcast, presented by Midco Sports Network. The postseason for winter sports is just around the corner, and that's when Midco SN shines the brightest with live coverage of the Summit League and NSIC basketball tournaments, as well as the NCHC quarterfinals. Check out MidcoSN.com to get ready for a March to remember. That's Midco Sports Network. This is how we do sports, and this is the Build Shapes Podcast. Welcome to another edition of the Bill Shaves Podcast, taping this on a Monday afternoon. I was going to say Monday morning, but it's actually 12.09 p.m. as we kick this thing off. Alex Hunter, Bill Shaves. It's a, a nice February 24th afternoon, Bill. Felt like spring a little bit this weekend. Beautiful temperatures. Sun was out. March is just around the corner, and it felt like it up in Grand Forks. Yeah, no doubt about it, Alex. Uh, yeah, uh, welcome to the week. But uh, yeah, especially with the sun out, it just uh, kind of gives you a feel that uh, everyone's got a little bit of more hop in their step. So uh, should be uh, uh, should be a good week again this week. And uh, as you said, heading uh, heading to kind of tournament time. So uh, exciting stuff. March obviously means, like you said, postseason, and that's an exciting time for fans. And there's just something special about this time of year. It really brings back lots of great memories, all those moments and emotions and the discography of, of great sports moments in, you know, in our lives. A lot of them happen this time of year. So it's, it's fun that we're, we're within touching distance now of those games that really do matter and that you really remember for years to come. Yeah, and you head to the end of the years too. And uh, obviously we saw one, uh, you had a front row seat on Saturday night for, for kind of one of those special moments, right? And, uh, you know, whether it's in a three-game tournament setting, if you will, uh, you know, you just, uh, there's certain times that's to me what makes uh kind of that live event you know hard to miss right because you never know when you're going to have moments like that but it was exciting for sure and it was nice to see marlon kind of go out on i'll call it senior night right uh at the betty and have one of the uh, uh best performances probably that venue has has ever seen i would say so yeah i mean for that for that moments for the crowd to be is into the game as they were for it to be against your biggest rivals to have a career night uh, you know on your home floor playing in your last home game you hit the game winning shot and, and a game winning shot that was of incredible difficulty i mean a step back three over a 6 7 guy flaring out at you with less than a second left like unbelievable stuff and that that was obviously the the highlight of it was you know a busy week in UND athletics but what a highlight unbelievable night on saturday evening at the betty it just was one of those games, Alex, that I don't know what the uh, differential ever got to. I think at one point in time, we might have been down six, and we were up five maybe at one point. I But, but everything was within a couple of baskets. And, uh, you know, teams making plays, and uh, yeah, it was just great. It was great, great environment, great, uh, great crowd. Thank you to everyone who came out that night. And uh, just it was, it was electric. It really was. And, uh, you know, not many times do you see kind of a walk-off, right? A walk-off in hoops. <laughs> and that's what we had. It was pretty special. Those ones don't come around all that often. And when they do, you want to be in the building for them and you want to be a part of it. And it was great to see, yeah, the 3,000 people that were there embrace it like they did. And like you said, from start to finish, the whole crowd was electric. That was a great word to use. And that's what makes sports fun. That That's why live sports in person are better than... You know, really, I mean, you can say like Broadway musicals. There's lots of things you can see live that are really, really special. But, man, it's tough to top live sports. You may have things that are that are as good, maybe. But when it's when it plays out like that against your biggest rival, NDSU, you and have been playing each other since 1905. And they have this great history. And it's just a tapestry of great teams and great games and great players and great moments. And this now gets inserted into that long history and yeah it was a privilege to be there awesome awesome stuff on Saturday yeah, night yeah you know and, and I I heard uh, coach say there after the game and uh you know I you know we certainly didn't play perfect by any stretch e- either and uh you know I think we're at, what four for 21 from three and so that's uh you know obviously from a percentage standpoint that's something that you're gonna uh uh want to shoot a better percentage in that regard but it was a uh it certainly was an, uh, just a, a great environment, and, and that is the reason why you, what, you go to games and uh, you know, it's the camaraderie of being in a crowd like that and, uh, and um, 
you know, as much as we have probably larger TVs now with, you know, incredible definition, it's still something when you're live at the event. Yeah, you can't take that for granted. It's just special, special stuff. So congrats to Paul Sather and company. That was a big win. That capped off rivalry week uh, for both the men's and the women's team who obviously played NDSU the following day. But really for, for the men's side, as we kind of start the rundown of what's going on around UND Athletics, a split this week against the two teams that are leading the Summit League. One of these two teams is going to win the regular season title, or they maybe will share it depending on what happens in Fargo on Thursday. But they played with South Dakota State and that was a tight game back on Wednesday night. It was an 11-point loss in the end. But a game that could have gone either way. Again, a five-point game with about three or so minutes to go. And then to come back and then win by three against North Dakota State. I mean, that was an NDSU team that had won seven in a row entering that night. This team is really trending up. And they have really put themselves in a position now. You know, not this is not just going to be a make-up-the-numbers situation in Sioux Falls in two weeks. This is a UND team that can beat anybody, and they'll have a chance then over the next two games to close things out with Omaha and South Dakota on the road to maybe improve their stock, maybe get up to fourth or fifth, be on that 4-5 line, and, you know, you give yourself a great chance to really make some noise in the Summit League tournament. Yeah, you never know. I mean, for sure, Alex, uh, finish up uh, with two games uh, on the road and then uh, and then head to Sioux Falls. And uh, yeah, it should be uh, should be a lot of fun. But you're you're exactly right. I think we've got, you know, three starters uh, that are seniors and, uh, you know, they tend to to not want their season and year and career to end, right? And so you, that's kind of what happens. I mean, you you get to the point where it's, you know, you could say that, well, isn't that the entire year? Eh, not not so much. I think once you get to this time in February, end of February, you turn the calendar to March and it, it really hits. It, it hits home at that point that, wow, this is one of the final times I might be actually putting this uniform on. And, and for, for many, right? I mean, for, for many Division One players that to even get to be able to play Division One basketball is just incredible in itself. But then that really could be, uh, you know, it for, for, for organized basketball, so to speak, for what, just but a handful that are going to go on and maybe play in Europe or play in the CBA or, you know, or excuse me, or play in the G league. And right. I mean, it's, 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 it's one of those, you just never know. And then obviously there's only a, a real, 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 real small percentage that will ever play in the NBA. Yeah, we could see that urgency, certainly in the guys and from those three seniors. And each of them made important plays over the course of the night. I know Keenan Walter obviously was in foul trouble in that game against the Bison, but he still hit a couple of big threes. Billy Brown had a big block down the stretch. And obviously Marlon with 35 points. One thing, by the way, not to keep talking about this, the play that Marlon made at the end of the first half was just as important as that three at the end of the second half because Tyson Ward makes that layup and there's about six seconds left and the basketball's rolling around and Marlon had the presence of mind to get it, get up court, gets fouled by Ward with less than a second left, however much time there was, and makes both free throws. And in a you know, in a tie game, essentially, with, with this time winding down, every little moment like that matters. And that was a big moment in the basketball game. Yeah, I thought, you know, Billy's block, too, um, which was impressive of not only blocking the shot, but then gathering it. Yeah. And, and that's, you know, almost just... You don't see that many times. You really, really don't. Sometimes you're lucky enough to just get the block, but uh, but for him to have the wherewithal to gather it and then go, it was just, uh, yeah, uh, any one of those sort of possessions uh, were going to be a huge deal because they're just magnified in a game that tight. Bill Russell-esque, you could say, Billy, tipping the block to himself. Keep, keep it in. Keep it in, right? <laughs> don't swat it into the stands. It, oh. it may make... Sports Center highlight, but it really doesn't help your team as much as actually having possession. I would agree. Yes, that was an old that was an old Red Arbach thing where we'd talk about that. Like you know, yeah, it looks great. You get the team fired up, but the other team gets the ball, and we want the basketball. So make the smart play. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, most sports, uh, you know, it's it's good. I mean, having possession gives you a chance to score most okay. times. <laughs> most most times big stretch for the men um congrats again on the big win over ndsu at uno on wednesday night that game will be live on midco sn by the way at usd saturday at 3 30 a little ironic that game is not live but we have nsic tournament coverage that's going on that day as well as ndsu at home and so our trucks are in different spots plus we have hockey so we're renting a truck to get the hockey games on this weekend and we just didn't have enough people to be in vermilion so no no und hoops from vermilion live on midco sn this weekend but 
at least we'll have that Omaha game coming your way on Wednesday, as well as the women's game in Omaha on Thursday night as well. And I appreciate you know our partnership with uh, with Midco. You all do a, a fantastic job. And, and the one thing about this pod is good is to be able to get that information out. You know that type of stuff because when you have the crossover, and you're right, sometimes it's not even so much about the capability of getting on the air. Literally, <laughs> you need the, the the people to actually you know man the cameras and 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 ultimately call the games. And so uh, appreciate the update on that. Yeah, it's kind of that all hands on deck time of year. And when I saw that we weren't doing the game, by the way, from Vermilion, like, oh, wow, we're not doing that game. But then when you look at the schedule and think about where our equipment is and what other games are going midweek, like, of course, we're going to do the SDSU and DSU games on Thursday. You know, it's a title decider on Thursday. So we'll have one truck in Fargo and then we'll have one truck in Sioux Falls at the Pentagon for this wild weekend of NSIC basketball. And we're getting a truck to come in from Wisconsin so we can do these hockey games this weekend. And it's just, yeah, it's just, it's amazing. The puzzle pieces that go into try and figure out a live schedule. It's yeah. Complicated stuff, but excited. At least we get a couple of games on the air this week for sure. It's a puzzle. It's a puzzle. It's a big puzzle. That's really what it is. And you guys try to put, you know, the best pieces together so that you can get as much, uh, on the air, uh, to, to us. And, uh, we appreciate that. Yeah. Well, well, it, we enjoy it. So it's good. <laughs> uh, for the men, by the way, now they're tied with Oral Roberts right in the middle of the pack. They're one game back of Omaha. They have a two-game lead over Purdue-Fort Wayne. So unless the Dons... There's a lot of tiebreaker scenarios and all this stuff, but at this point, it feels like UND will be no worse than six with the potential to get themselves up to four if they win out and then get a little bit of help with some of the other teams that are ahead of them right now in the standings. On the women's side... Rivalry week for Travis Brewster and company as well. I thought a really good showing against South Dakota State for about three quarters. And then in the end, the Jacks just made a few more shots and UND kind of went cold. A 13-point loss on Thursday. And then the North Dakota State game, great comeback. They were down by 13 at one point in the second half. They get it tied up at 60. And then the shots just stop falling again. And the Bison are able to pull out an eight-point win. A couple tough luck losses against UND's biggest rivals this week. Yeah, the tale of, uh, in, in a sense, two seasons for us right now. And, you know, obviously it was good to see Melissa Leak get back into the lineup. And she was able to get back in against South Dakota State. And really, um, because she's such an imposing figure, uh, obviously at, at, at six foot six, that it, it certainly has altered um, the roles of, of this team. And when she departed the lineup, you know, we obviously were headed in one direction. And then, uh, then when she departed, it was almost like a brand new season again. And it's almost like now a third season again to get her back in the lineup. So, um, yeah, I, you know, it, it th- yesterday's game, uh, again, recording this on Monday morning. So on Sunday, uh, the game against, uh, NDSU, I, it kind of took on the same flavor as the one in Fargo it, where, um, in that particular game, uh, Never was able to at least tie the game. I think we got uh, behind by a point, one point. Um, and then in this game, actually tied it, as you said, 60-60. And I give them credit. They hit a three. I mean, they responded right from that 60-60 at 63-60. And that was, a, I, I thought, in a sense, the turning point of the game. I thought it in real time. And I thought if we could find a way to get a stop there and then come back down and, and ultimately take the lead, we would have had a, a, a pretty good chance. But, you know, credit credit them. They they made a big play and then uh, got the, uh, you know, the rest of uh, – um, uh, the plays to 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 make it all happen for them to uh, to to win the game. So, you know, gives us uh, you know opportunity this week. We go on the road uh, similarly, and uh, you know, play an Omaha team that uh, you know hopefully we uh, have a pretty good uh, shot against, and uh, setting ourselves up getting to the uh, uh, into Sioux Falls. But uh, we end with a team that's trying to go undefeated in this conference, and. You know, um, they've had one heck of a season. And so, uh, you know, this week's uh, full of opportunity for this team almost in its third iteration, which was really the iteration, which was iteration number one. Does that make sense? <laughs> it does. Well, that's just it. You're trying to incorporate somebody that was really important to your team. And, and she's also got a giant cast on her shooting hand. So she's kind of figuring out how to play when she sort of knows, like Melissa's range right now is just, you can't extend it very far because there's no touch on the shot. So she's trying to figure out how that works and her teammates are as well. And she made, by the way, a huge difference against South Dakota State. She was everywhere on the floor in that game. And we were so surprised to see her out there. We knew that she was 
practicing in air quotes, but not really participating with the team, mostly just running and doing, you know, the cardio stuff that you need to try and stay in, in shape. And, you know, she made a huge impact right away. Now that they have a full week of practice now with her, we'll see what they can do. And like you said, Omaha is a team that is fighting for their Summit League tournament lives. They've only got two conference wins on the season, though they did pick up a big one against Purdue Fort Wayne last week. So it's likely the Mavs are probably in unless something changes in that eight spot. South Dakota is obviously 15-0 and they just beat South Dakota State this weekend to lock up the regular season title. And like you said, they're going for a perfect season and a chance to solidify themselves as at least, you know, an at-large team potentially again for the second year in a row if things don't go right in Sioux Falls. Tough task down in Vermillion at one o'clock, but you, you said it. A great opportunity. And if UND are able to win these two games and then gets a little bit of help, they could still be in the sixth seed. But again, because of the loss to NDSU, now they're basically two games back of the Bison because NDSU have that tiebreaker. So you almost need you need a lot, you need a little bit of help and you need to go unbeaten this weekend to slide up a spot and be playing on Sunday. More than likely now, they'll be in that two seven matchup on Saturday. That's what it looks like for sure. But, um, you know, you, you get to this point and, uh, you know, that's why you, you roll it out there. And uh, let's see if we can get um, get this thing turned around and going back the, the way it was going at some stage. I think, you know, with so many freshmen on the team, I, I think the one thing I can probably safely say that many of them probably are encountering at this point in time is just all the data that's been collected, I'll say, against them. And, and I would say that it, it's, you know, providing them, I'll, I'll say them collectively uh, as an opportunity um, to kind of continue to try to figure out how to, um, you know, how to um, refigure what they do on the court because they, you know, other, other schools right now and coaches, they're certainly taking away strengths at this point. And so I'll be interested to see how, how our team responds this week for sure. Yeah. And that's a really good point. Like you sort of forget sometimes. I had a fan ask me the other day at the Betty, hey, you know, what do you think about this team? And I'm like, hey, you know, they're really talented and they're still figuring things out. And um, the fans said, well, you know, those kids aren't freshmen anymore. You know, they've played kind of a whole season like, yeah, but they've never gone through this before. Like they've never played a full college season. They've never played this many games or this intensity of basketball. And until your body really goes through that, you don't know what that's like. And it's it's hard. That's a hard transition to go from high school ball to college. And, you know, I think we've seen, in, again, every game someone new steps up. Maybe it was Megan Zander against North Dakota State. One of these freshmen seems to have a good game. It's just a matter of trying to find that consistency and get a couple to sort of come along with Julia Fleece, who's been pretty consistent, the likes of Elena Jarnett, those guys. That upperclassmen group that have been through this before have kind of been there most games. But just finding that, that consistency as a team, as you try and figure things out on the fly with new people coming in, there's just a a lot of moving parts there. So a good chance to get the, the ship straightened out this week on the road before the trip to Sioux Falls in two weeks. I, I would agree with all that, Alex. I, you know, the, um, the thing that, you know, I think is, is fair to say is that this group, uh, you know, there's, there's coaches, uh, that actually their job is to make them fail. That's what their job is. And, and at the end of it all, they know the one or two, three things that make them successful but they're going to try to exploit the things that maybe are not in their toolbox right now. And so, you know, aside from the entire season, I think that data can work against you a little bit. So I, if, I, whomever you were speaking to, I would say, like, you got to think through those types of things as well, that, that there's so much now information on tendencies. And that's what these coaches are, are looking at doing is making sure that they exploit, I'll call it the negative tendencies. But the thing that we have to do, and I think it's in our four walls at the Betty before we hit the road this week, is we've just got to turn down the turnovers, especially the unforced turnovers. I, I think I think any team, you can say that about any team, but I think, you know, if you were to say you value possessions to some level, I think just unforced turnovers is something that um, any team would want to make sure that they're giving themselves the best uh, opportunity as they're as they're you know heading down you know playing offense if you will and so uh, so I'm excited to see where this this season ends and uh, there's enough to look forward to for sure moving forward but certainly this this year has not concluded at this point. 
No, certainly not. And seeing the fight that they had against NDSU on Sunday when they were down, you know, fighting to the end, getting the lead down to four down the stretch, even when it looked like the game was probably over. Those are good signs for this team ahead. Omaha Thursday at seven o'clock again, USD Saturday at one o'clock in the UNO game from Baxter Arena. We'll be live on Midco SN this week. Hockey was on the road this week. Two tight, competitive games, as is expected. St. Cloud State's one of those teams that always fights hard, and even though UND swept them in the Ralph back in the first half of the season, both those games were close. We knew it was going to be a difficult weekend, that uh, UND was going to have to play well, and you know, you, you take a couple guys out of the lineup, and all of a sudden the team doesn't look quite the same as it did before, but obviously they fight to get a 3-3 tie on Friday, you lose in a shootout in the end, and then it's a three-goal hockey game on Saturday that comes down to you know one shot, one breakaway chance that St. Cloud State is able to bury you know what did you make of this weekend on the ice bill i was in st cloud on friday and then came back on saturday uh to to be at home for the the two basketball games um uh on saturday and sunday but you know i almost kind of think alex so 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 let me go in this direction is we've played we started in october so i think we're in our fifth month and we have less than one loss per month at this point in time. So I, I hate to be put it in perspective, but I'm gonna I'm gonna stay there. That that we need to be thoughtful about the position that we've put ourselves in. And I think it's given us some opportunity, and I'll say this loosely, to manage the schedule in some way, shape, or form, to figure out what this team needs to make that, I guess, last push for this year. And so, and if you kind of look at it, maybe in fourths or whatever, you kind of have that non-conference schedule. You have that first part of first half of the NCHC, second half of the NCHC, which we're kind of closing in on at this point. And then you've got the postseason. And, and I think, you know, coach Barry and his staff are trying to weigh all of that understanding that there's not a game that you go out uh, not wanting to obviously get the W, but I think you had a St. Cloud team that certainly is playing uh, much better, has 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 uh, grown grown this year, and you know to get a tie and then lose two to one, um, you know they're they're kind of playing for their home ice lives, so to speak, and I think that's kind of the team we saw. I don't you know I don't know if that's a good assessment or not, but I um, I just think that you know especially on Saturday night, ultimately with three of uh, our top uh, I guess you'd call them nine forwards out of the lineup at that point in time, and I'll call Shane out of the lineup because he played for three minutes, and yeah. so uh, um, you know probably you know put you in a position where and you're on the road probably not um, not easy for sure. You know I was looking back because we're going to talk about this. And um, I know this weekend was all full of uh, 40-year uh, history of the miracle on ice. And, uh, you know, and so watch the 30 for 30 from the Russian perspective. That was an awesome one. Uh, watched actually Miracle over the weekend too, just because I had to. And, uh, you know, I was looking back and, uh, you know, so we are going to honor our 79-80 team that won the national title as well this upcoming weekend excited for that and i looked back i was looking at their results february 1st and 2nd they tied michigan tech on the road and then lost six to four and it's kind of just interesting that that sort of a symmetrical sort of situation that occurred this weekend and then the other piece that i thought was interesting lost to the u.s national team on december 4th six to one that's kind of neat stuff isn't it it's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, Dave Christian, UND player on that team and played against his teammates in that game. And there were it's it was fun to read a lot of those pieces about the Miracle on Ice team and to kind of relive some of that and think about that in the perspective that, yeah, UND were champions 40 years ago that same year, just a couple of months later. It's it's neat to see some of the symmetry. And like you said, in that 1980 team, they lost that game to Michigan Tech on February the 2nd. They didn't lose the rest of the season. They ran the table the rest of the way. And to kind of keep it going in that mold, even our last national title team, 2015-16, UND went out to Denver about this time of year, kind of in that mid-February range, lost back-to-back games to the Pioneers, and then went on this great run. They they lost in the frozen face-off in the semifinals, so they did have one more loss over the course of the year. But that was kind of one of those games where they had been so good, they were... You know, they, they were a 22-23 win team at that time. They had only two or three losses on the season. Dropped a couple of games. And maybe there was just that little 
sometimes that gives you the push. You remember again what it feels like to lose and you kind of get that that extra motivation during practice that next week like, hey, we don't want to feel that way again and we know we have to step it up now and, and this is obviously a great opportunity this weekend finishing out the home portion of the season with a very good Western Michigan team that's coming off a split against Duluth that is fighting for their postseason lives. They're 15th in the pairwise right now, right on that bubble. Uh, obviously, it'll be a hungry Bronco team coming in, but it's also a UND team that would love to skate that cup on Saturday night, and they control their own destiny to do that with a couple of wins against the Broncos or a little bit of, or, you know, four or five points and a little bit of help from the Bulldogs. Yeah, so I, you know, all of that, I, I just, uh, you know, you, you kind of, uh, we're fortunate enough to, to have had, you know, the season we've had at this point in time. And it's given us the opportunity to make sure that, um, in that final push, so to speak, maybe you've got all the tools in the toolbox that you want. And I think, uh, you know, we're going to be probably thoughtful about that as we move forward here, the, you know, the rest of, uh, you know, this regular season, which is amazingly down to just two weekends. It's hard to believe. Um, and then from there, obviously, uh, uh, you know, quarterfinals here in Grand Forks and then, uh, and then beyond hopefully. Right. I mean, that's, that's the idea for sure from, uh, I would say an NCA standpoint, but St. Paul is something that I know this team has on their radar screen as well. They're going to be playing hockey for a while. Like this isn't going to be ended anytime soon. And you can bet that these will be results that UND will stew on a little bit this week. What did you make of the end of Saturday's game, Bill? Things got a little hairy out there. Yeah, I you know I I think sometimes you're going to get that after a series. I I, I you know um, from what I can tell, um, you know I I just think it's two competitive teams that uh, probably let some emotions overflow. Uh, you know a little bit after the game, but um, it, you know I think. Uh, that's going to happen when you have, you know, uh, just a, a really, uh, you know, an environment that was that tight all all weekend long. And so, uh, you know, you, you don't want to you want to make sure that that no one does anything that can impact them the rest of the year. And that's that's the very first thing. Right. And so uh, so knock on wood, I think ultimately cooler heads did prevail and both teams you know, kind of moved off and uh, moved off the ice and uh, onto this weekend. On to Western Michigan. On to Western Michigan. I mean, that's it. I mean, I, you know, you know, one thing about hockey and, you know, is, you know, you've got those back-to-back games and, uh, you know, it, it can get, it can get pretty emotional for sure. And if you're playing with the passion that these teams are playing with, uh, you know, it, it, it can, it can certainly, uh, you know, get to that point and, uh, and, and you just, uh, you just want to make sure that again, cooler heads prevail at some stage of the game. Yeah, at the time of potting right now, there have not been any suspensions issued. The NCHC has not said anything that any of our guys or anybody from St. Cloud State is going to be sitting out a game. So hopefully that silence continues <laughs> over the next 24 hours or so. I think so. And I, I don't know if this is a fair analogy or not. I mean, do you have a dog, Alex? Uh, I did growing up. You did, yeah. So I, we, we have a Gordon Setter, Setters. So Irish setter from Ireland, English setter from England, Gordon setter from Scotland. So uh, again, just a little bit of trivia for the for this pod. My uh, my mother-in-law breeds them. So uh, oh. we've had, my my wife has had Gordon setters growing up, and so uh, we have one named Henry. So Hank. So Hank is five five years old, and occasionally we'll bring him to the dog park, and uh, there's always dogs there as at the dog park amazing and uh and hopefully their owners and and occasionally there's dogs get into a little bit of a scrum and it always sounds way worse than it normally is and so i kind of likened that to that scrum at the end at a dog park and i think it kind of dissipated and both teams moved on how's that that's a pretty good analogy. I'm with you. If you've always, if you, and again, if you've never seen this at a dog park, it can, I mean, the other thing that happens at a dog park that is always interesting to me is there's always excitement when the new dog comes in and they all go run to the gate. And, uh, you know, once you run to the gate, there's a lot of excitement and then it takes like literally, I don't know, five seconds and then that's over and then they move on to the next thing. <laughs> Yeah, that sounds accurate. Yeah. Not not always the, the greatest attention spans. Dogs. Loyal to a fault. Beautiful creatures. 
Uh-huh. I like I said, I I think it was a really really tight uh, series. I mean, it was uh, obviously just a lot of, uh, um, you know, there there just was a lot of uh, uh, electricity in that building as well. And and I, like I said, I think St. Cloud is doing their best, obviously, to try to play uh, at home. And and that, what a difference that makes, right? And, and if yeah. they end up in that four or five slot, and I guess potentially they may even be able to climb up to third I, I don't think they can get beyond Duluth at this stage of the game I think it would be really hard but I think they're trying to figure out how to get to that three four slot yeah St. Cloud State very much in play for home ice they and Denver are separated by four points in that four or five matchup right now Western's only a point ahead of that group so with 12 points still available for all of these teams with four games to go, anything's possible. And North Dakota, meanwhile, still six points ahead of Duluth, essentially a two-game cushion. Uh, but Minnesota Duluth goes to CC this weekend, the Colorado College team, that even though they've, they've had more success lately, second to last in the league and have, have struggled a bit to earn points in the NCHC this season. So you can't count on getting too much help from the Tigers. North Dakota is going to probably have to win this themselves over these next two weeks at home against Western and then on the road against Omaha. One cool thing that you mentioned a moment ago, we're celebrating not just our seniors this weekend, but that 1980 National Championship team that's coming back to the Ralph. What's in store? What kind of festivities does Jody Hodgson and the REA and UND have in store for the gang from 1980-ville? This is our third National Champion team that we've been able to honor in uh, the last two seasons. So we had the 1959 team last year, which was awesome, and then the 2000 team earlier this year, and now the 1980 team. And it all kind of runs very similar to some degree is, you know, we just try to be the hub, the hub of connection so that all of the uh, former team and, and teammates and families can get together. And in some ways, Alex, we get out of the way. If that makes sense. I mean, I, you know, it, it really is for us to make sure that there's a connection point. And then, you know, we'll slide in and, and, and kind of, uh, you know, kind of go in and, and, and relive some of their memories for sure. And, uh, and then just, you know, thank them. Thank them for what they've done because obviously it was a historical run. And anytime you can, uh, you know, say you're a national champion, that's forever. That is just absolutely forever. So some, uh, you know, I know we're going to have a, a great, great uh, time again. And and then all kind of culminating with the raising of the banner again. And, uh, and, and really, that's just an awesome experience for them. And it's just, a, it's a, it's a great photo moment. And so, uh, you know, and I, and probably at this point in time, I'll call it video moment, but probably both. And, uh, and so that's kind of how that will go. But I mean, at the end of the day, we just want them back here and, and give them the, a, a great opportunity to reminisce and, and visit with each other and then, uh, and support this latest, uh, outfit of UND hockey. Yeah, it'll be a lot of fun. It should be a great night. It always is. Great to see some of those old faces. Guys like Kara Yeeds and Phil Sykes were on that team. And like Travis Dunn, who hosts a radio show now that's kind of a present figure still in the Fargo, Grand Forks area. It'll be fun to see some of those guys relive some of those memories from that team now 40 years past. Yeah, no doubt about it. And, you know, I, you know, again, which, which is interesting to me and I, you know, who I haven't spoken to and I need to is, is Tim Hennessy because he's in his 41st year. And so that was right around the time he started calling games. So he must just have tremendously vivid memories about, you know, uh, that particular team. And, uh, I'm sure that's a, uh, you know, that's a special, special group, just given, you know, how, how many years he's been, he's been doing this, but you know, that was his first national championship call. Yeah. Pretty cool that to have that happen in your second season in charge to have a special team like that. And neat that, and neat that he's still doing it. I think that's the best part. You've got this link to history that is still, <laughs> still in the present. That's making the, not to, not to like put an age on Tim or anything, but the guy's still at the top of his game and it's, it's great. Just great, great stuff. So cool. So look forward to that Saturday night, first intermission, there'll be a little ceremony on the ice for the 1980 national championship team. Elsewhere in UND Athletics, softball was busy on the road in California this past weekend. The Silicon Valley Classic, a dramatic win over Boise State. A uh, crazy game. Did you see the, the line from this game? It was one nothing going into the seventh. Danny Romero hits a home run to tie it at ones. They go to the extras. They go, they go to the eighth. They go to extras. 
and UND scores seven in the, t- in the top of the eighth. And then they give up a couple in the bottom of the eighth. But there's this crazy game that had been such a pitcher's duel for seven innings blows up. But they get the 8-5 win over Boise State. Uh, that was their only win of the week. And they lost to some really good teams out there. Colorado State, San Jose State, the hosts, Santa Clara. But uh, still, again, good experience. Good chance to get out, get some games in. They'll go back out there this coming weekend at San Diego. Tough life, again, for the softball team going to Santa Clara and San Diego back-to-back weeks after being in Louisiana the week before. A ton of travel for those ladies, though, and they're playing a ton of softball. Uh, best of luck as they take on a number of teams out there. Brown, Long Beach State, San Diego, Weber State, Cal State, Northridge, I believe. CSUN, right? Cal State, Northridge, is that correct? That's correct. Yep. Not the most obvious logo for CSUN. You don't really... I'm going to end up saying <laughs> that I think it's a new logo, too. So, I'm not... So, yeah, I... Yes, I would agree with you. <laughs> I think I think that's an accurate statement that it's it, it is Northridge, and my guess it makes a whole lot of sense because of the location, right, and in the in the proximity. So, uh, but yeah, I, you know, the team uh, early on in the year uh, playing a lot of difficult uh, teams, and certainly coming out of quote unquote hislop and uh, the high performance center, um, certainly uh, getting a lot of games underneath their belt. Yeah, good for that crew. Best of luck to them coming up this weekend out in San Diego. Best of luck to Track and Field, who's going to be competing at the Summit League Indoor Championships this coming week in Fort Wayne. They finished up their regular season at home this past week. A couple of event winners, four in total, all on the field side in that tune-up meet. Michaela Keefe, by the way, moving into second place all-time in the weight throw. Molly Detloff, who was an All-American for us two years ago, has that record, and Michaela's about about 10 feet away from getting there. That just showed how good Molly was a couple of years ago. But uh, great, great for Michaela going into the championships with some confidence after that throw and good for the rest of these kids. One last tune up before you go out to Fort Wayne. You have a chance to win a conference title. Special stuff on the way for this group. No question. It's a, uh, you know, and again, uh, you're, I, we've said it before on the pod, you're pretty, uh, uh, you're good track aficionado, but it, boy, it's, it's kind of neat to have to do it on that day. And that's uh, that day is coming up. Uh, and so you kind of, you prep, you prep, you prep, and uh, you know, you just need everything to go well uh, during your event. So, uh, good. Uh, best of luck to to both uh, both track teams as they uh, as they head to the championships. Yeah, we mentioned in the pod last week. So many kids are in the top six in the rankings in the Summit League, especially on the women's side. A good opportunity for both the men and the women to have a really good showing if if they can do what they've done during the season or exceed it a little bit on the day that really matters coming up Friday and Saturday out in Fort Wayne. If, by the way, you want to watch, if you are a track person and want to check this out, go to the summitleague.org slash tournaments, and they are going to have a live video stream of the event. So check that out this weekend if you so choose. One cool thing, by the way, and this is a non-UND-related thing, but I don't know if you saw this. Chris Nilsson from South Dakota, in their tune-up meet this weekend, set the new NCAA collegiate record in the pole vault. Wow. Three-time national champ, but 19.5 and a half, I believe, is what he cleared the other day. It's, it's, I think this is just an example of kids in our conference, UND kids included, are some of the best in the country. And we've seen that with some of the throwers from North Dakota State in recent years. We've seen it from the USD pole vaulters. We've seen it from some of our throwers as well. Molly Detloff, again, fourth in the country in the hammer throw just a couple of years ago. It's just another example that you can stay close to home. If you're a kid from the upper Midwest or you can come here from outside this region and have great success, you don't have to go to Florida or go to Cal or go to USC or Oregon to be a national champ or be an Olympian. Chris Nelson's going to be an Olympian come this next summer in Tokyo. He's going to represent the U.S. in the Olympics and he goes to school in Vermilion. I mean, this is this is the kind of opportunity you've got at, at, at schools like this. Well, the other thing, Alex, with that is uh, I'll, I'll, uh, let's go one step further. Sometimes the right fit for certain individuals are these types of schools because, again, sometimes maybe you wouldn't have the reps, if you will, or you wouldn't, uh, you know, or you might get lost in the shuffle or you just you might be um, just I don't want to say culturally, it may not be a fit for you. you. You just never know what some of those things, and then that will affect your ability to, to maybe get the most out of your, um, you know, God-given ability. So that's awesome. I mean, pole vaulting, that is such a, uh, I mean, it takes, it takes a special person to, to, to want to go do that pole vaulting thing because that's <laughs> a, uh, right? I mean, it is scary. Did you ever pole vault? No, we didn't have it at our high school. It was too da- it was too dangerous. <laughs> we didn't invest in the equipment. I, I probably would not have volunteered 
too high for me. Too high for my taste. No. There's nice. a few things in sport that are, uh, you know, it takes a special person. I, th- I think that's one. I think lacrosse goalie is another one. That's uh, There's just not a lot of equipment that you're wearing at that point. I mean, I know you can say that about other goalies for sure too, but boy, I, that lacrosse ball is coming at you pretty darn fast. So uh, at, at interesting proximities too. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. The, uh, the last thing, and maybe before we flip to the B is, um, did you see the, the video that went viral with South Dakota state women? I did. Yes. Yeah. We actually talked about that on the broadcast on Thursday because it had just happened that afternoon. That was unbelievable in our building. Great advertisement for the Betty. I love, I think Nate Kading had like replied to the tweet that had however many thousands and thousands of views. He's like, but look at that facility. Look how beautiful. That's right. That's right. If you've not seen it, again, the South Dakota State ladies had five half-court shots in a row that went in in their shoot-around before the game against UND this past week. And that got picked up by every outlet uh, across the country. And fun to see, like, J.J. Watt and people like that commenting on how amazing that was. That's pretty cool. It was a pretty neat deal. Five in a row, Bill, from half court. Man, I give them all credit for doing it. Holy cow! But the, but but the, uh, boy, the kid that 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 grabbed and did the fifth one. I mean, that that takes <laughs> some guts to go up there. Huh? I mean, it's one thing just to to, to be up, but boy, the, I don't say there's really no pressure on you. You've made four in a row, which is pretty awesome. I mean, I you probably could edit it out after four, but to, to but to go to five, holy cow, it was awesome. Yeah, well, I loved their reactions because they you know they celebrated after the first one, and they got a little excited. After after the second, the third, it got a little bigger. The fourth, like that was huge. And they all went nuts after the fourth. And I think it was Lindsay Thunick, who's an underclassman guard for them, is walking back and she kind of says, sort of to nobody, oh my gosh, there's so much pressure. <laughs> and the camera picks it up and then she makes that one. And right before it goes in, you can hear one of the gals go, no way. And it, it just, it was just great. What a great, fun sports moment for, for that group of kids. And yeah, fun that it happened on our floor. Pretty cool. It was good. I thought it was. Uh, you know, and those are the those are the things. Literally, you're going to remember for a lifetime. It's awesome. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Uh, sports, 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 sports. Well, let's. Yeah, if you want to, we can flip over onto the B side. Quick B side today. Not as much going on. Our wheelhouse was a little quieter this past weekend, but Spurs were in action. Kind of a crazy game. Weird, weird week for Spurs. You lose to Leipzig in the Champions League at home, but you know you're still in the tie. It's a two-legged tie, and then you got to play Chelsea on Saturday morning, the noon kickoff local time. And you nearly get a guy sent off. Son is out for the year with a broken arm, even though he scored two goals with a broken arm last week. All that. It just was a, just a weird game. And it feels like Jose is kind of, I don't, I don't know. The complaining has picked up a little bit in recent weeks. And we're kind of seeing the old Jose come to the fore once again. Well, they just don't have a lot of options right now. And so <laughs> I thought that, uh, I thought that the Chelsea first 20 minutes or 30 was not awesome and the possession was just terrible uh and so good for chelsea i mean they um you know that that frank lampard has is taken on his uh his master so to speak um twice and has has taught him a lesson twice and so uh yeah i you know depending on what happens again with what uh the city penalty is there's just going to be a, a, a dogfight for, uh, I'll say, fourth and fifth. And so uh, I, Man U now has kind of made a little run. You, if you can find a way to t- win two matches in a row, you probably go right up the table. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I, you know, I, I thought that a one uh loss against Leipzig actually was an okay result, given the fact that I thought they got probably uh, out-possessioned a bit too early on and probably – uh, outchanced. And so I don't know, they're going to have to go on the road and, and this just in, just win two to one. And then you go through. That's all you got to do. Your team ended up losing what? One, nothing on the road, right? Yeah. One, nothing on the road. So you would like to have an away goal, uh, in your back pocket going back to Anfield, but it's kind of the same story. If you win, 
one nothing, then it goes to extra time. If you win two nothing, you win the tie. So they just they just have to be careful defensively now. That's the one fear is that if you give up an away goal and you didn't score one, that becomes the tiebreaker if you're level on goals. So it'll be a tricky tie coming back to uh, to uh, to Anfield against Atletico. But you know Liverpool are up for it. I'm sure uh, they they play today actually, so we won't know if they've continued this ridiculous Premier League winning streak uh, with the game against West Ham. But this just in, they're going to murder West Ham. West Ham stays there. So I'd be surprised if they don't put a shellacking on the hammers. Maybe that'll come back to bite me in the pod next week. But uh, back to back to Spurs, by the way. You mentioned all those teams uh, winning two games, and all of a sudden you're probably going to find yourself in fourth or fifth place. There's only a five-point gap between fifth and 11th right now. So that's seven teams kind of fighting for one spot. And it is really just a two-game lead, essentially. And uh, Spurs have dropped back into sixth now. They're in a tie with Sheffield for sixth place. Man United, who has kind of caught fire a little bit lately, uh, moving up over Spurs into fifth place after their 3 nothing win at the weekend. So everything to play for. There's, there's no drama at the top of the Premier League. There's a lot of drama in the middle. And there's a lot of drama at the bottom. And that's kind of made this, this league still fun to watch, even though the title has basically been decided. No doubt. No doubt. So, yeah, and I think what maybe I think uh, we're back to maybe 10 or 11 matches left in the year, too. So uh, so it should be a uh, should be fun. I just I just don't know if there's enough. Uh, oh, I'll call it tools in the toolbox for uh, for old Josie. I just don't feel it. I mean, at this point, a little tough. I, I, I felt OK when just Harry Kane was out. But then when Sun went out, eh. That's a little bit difficult right now. I just don't know who's going to actually end up scoring goals for him. And it seems like we're a little disenchanted right now. When I say we, Josie and I are a little just disenchanted with Delhi's performance at this point. (laughs) He, he's been yanked a couple times now and he's not liked it. He threw the water bottle and his shoe the other day when he got taken off the pitch in that game against Leipzig. So tension maybe mounting a little bit there. This is We've basically seen the Jose Mourinho effect that usually lasts about three years. We've seen it in about three months of the good feelings at the beginning. <laughs> maybe a little, bit, a little bit of the jadedness kind of comes in and now we're just in full on you know, torch the world mentality. So I'm glad you've had a chance to experience this in one season. It's, it's really, it's, it's the whole litany of emotions. We've had it all. We've had it all. (laughs) Who knows? It, It might be done by the end of the year. That's how, that's how it might go. It's hard to say. You just never know. You never know with that man. So best of luck to you. Where do you think Potch ends up? Well, I would have said that he would, be Manchester United's manager, to be honest, already. I really kind of thought that the way they had played, that they would move on from Ole Gunnar Solskjaer and they would put Pochettino in there. That seems to make the logical sense. But Man United signed Bruno Fernandes in January and he's kind of made a big difference for that team. And now they're on a bit of a run. They're in a Champions League spot because of Man City's situation. So now, you know... I. There'll be a couple jobs that'll come available, I'm sure, in the summertime, and he'll end up someplace. I know I really thought he was going to go to Bayern because of their turmoil, but it kind of sounds like he'd like to stay either in England or potentially Spain. It depends on who stumbles, really. If if some of those big teams struggle and they don't like their manager, he's going to find himself in one of those jobs. Got it. Yeah, I I, w- I would agree with that whole assessment. I, I don't. Uh, I think he'll end up probably. It would seem like either Spain or uh, or England, but. Who knows? It, it, hard to say. And have you followed anything with the Red Sox at this point? I saw that we are one and one in spring training games, mostly split squad. They're playing a split squad today, I believe, with the Twins and the Rays. Okay. Uh, that is pretty much, I looked at the box score. I'd never heard of half the guys. So we're kind of in that part of spring training when we're just throwing out some of the young kids, some of the vets that are hanging on. I just was, it was nice to see them win a game the other day. That's all. I'm glad we have at least one spring training win. Better than last year already. We were 1-0, and but then we got <laughs> shellacked by the Orioles. So, you know, but that's, that's okay. We're, that's we're, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll be just fine. So other than that, you know, I, Hey, it's spring training. I mean, I, at this stage, I, I, I do. It's interesting. It, my final thought on the Red Sox and final thought on today's pod is uh, kind of interesting. What's going on with Pedroia. I mean, uh, is it, is it just contractual at this point in time? Is that, is that the reason why he probably hasn't retired? I think he just really wants to play. Do you I really think, think so? 
it just seems to me like he keeps having these comebacks and he's rehabbing this knee injury that keeps hanging around and the other stuff that he's got going on. And then he has a setback and then he has to kind of go through the rehab process again or have another minor surgery. He just always strikes me as a guy that would just play baseball until he literally couldn't walk. I mean, he just, he's he always has had that kind of mentality. It seems, I mean, he's not played for two and a half years. I mean, it's been a long time now since he was on the field in any kind of meaningful situation. And I feel like it's probably, I mean, I can't imagine he would be, he'd be a shell of his former self now at this point when you're out of the game for that long. But, you know, the, he was, he was kind of tipped to be the manager to be out, right? I mean, they kind of talked about him as maybe being a candidate if, you know, if and when the Alex Cora thing went down, and obviously now they've kind of moved on, and there's a lot of buzz about that. I don't know if you heard about this, but that Alex Cora maybe would be potentially the Red Sox future manager in a year once they kind of go through this whole process. And it was kind of a wink, wink, hey, you need to step down, but we're not going to officially fire you. And once this all kind of cools off, maybe we'll bring you back. It just, I, I would believe anything right now about this Astros Red Sox stand ceiling story. Nothing has been uh, brought out, though, by Major League Baseball yet on the Red Sox, right? No, don't, nothing yet. What did you think? What did you think of the Kevin Pillar signing? I thought that was sneaky. Okay, he's a pretty good defensive player. So, so I mean, really, if you're going to say between him, Bradley, and Benatendi, I mean, that's a pretty good outfield. I mean, just from a defensive standpoint, they won't lose a ton. Yep, in that area for sure. Um, one thing, other too, as we're talking about the Sox, did you see Alex Verdugo meet David Ortiz the other day? Did you see that clip? I did. That was kind of nice. Yeah, I mean, he's a he's a big David Ortiz fan which I think is great. So yeah. that could be, I, I hope that's not his highlight with the Red Sox. <laughs> if I had to guess right now, that's something you're probably questioning at this stage. I'm a little worried that that might be the best thing that happens to Alex Verdugo in a Red Sox uniform, but I'm going to keep, I'm going to keep my mind open. I he seems to be a very likable kid. And I, it sounded like that people in, in LA liked him a lot. And you can see that he's got a fun personality. He also has a back that doesn't function like a back should. So that's a concern moving forward. But again, all the best to him. Hopefully, <laughs> hopefully I'm wrong and it'll all work out. Yes. And, 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 and ironically, uh, the, the last thing, and not to parse, but we parse in life right now, is <laughs> ironically, he wasn't even in a Red Sox uniform. <laughs> so so his best moment may not even be in a Red Sox uniform. Oh, man. He was wearing like a tank top or something. Yeah, yeah. Where yeah. you could kind of see his back. <laughs> which which looked okay, I suppose, on the surface. If we're, you know, the MRI would say otherwise. But anyway, best of luck to him and the Sox as they get things going down in Fort Myers. Uh, best of luck to you, Bill, on another busy week, wrapping up the home hockey season, at least from a regular season standpoint. Hoops on the road, all that good stuff. Enjoy the nice weather, hopefully, that hangs around for a little bit this week. It sounds good. You have a great week, and uh, absolutely lots of, lots of fun action uh, ahead, and uh, always appreciate you, Alex. March Madness just around the corner. Thank you, Bill. Appreciate you, buddy. Big thanks to Bill Shaves, to Cassie Niles, our producer. I'm Alex Siner. Thanks again for listening. We'll talk again next week on the Bill Shaves Podcast. Mm-hmm.